Howdy, and thanks for tuning in to the Home Stretch Podcast 101 Plus Tips for Navigating Assisted Living and Nursing Homes. I'm excited to share um, my dance partner, actually, one of my yeah, dance partners. Them, yeah, um, I met Brenda Young uh, a couple, what was it, how many months ago now? I don't even know. Yeah. Um, Long time. And, and and we were dan we we were dancing on Friday and we we weren't we don't dance very frequently so we were we weren't quite quite synced up but in any case Brenda has a really good story to share with um, our listeners and I want to thank you guys for tuning in um, as we provide you guys with some resources and and stories that hopefully can help you uh, provide a better quality of life. Um, for your loved one that might be either, you know, having to go into an assisted living environment or community, or they're still at home. And um, Brenda, why don't you why don't you share a little bit about what you currently do uh, before we go into the story about your mom? Okay, um, I'm a nurse by trade, um, a certified occupational health nurse, and uh, my. Uh, current position is a disability nurse case manager at Shell uh, oil company here in Houston, Texas, and um, uh, I help the employees that are out on disability leaves due to their personal health condition and help navigate them through um, making sure that they understand all of their benefits as well as their dis- uh, responsibilities while they are out on a paid leave. That's basically, and I've got probably about 40 patients right now, and my um, my audience is refinery workers from the uh, facility in North uh, in New Orleans, as well as the corporate setting um, uh, engineers and staff workers here in uh, Houston. So, what's important, obviously, is that you're a nurse um, right. uh, yourself. But do you have to go to these uh, factories uh, to visit the patients, or do the patients come and visit you? Yeah, the patients are all—they're all out on a disability leave. Some of them are in the hospital. Most aren't. You know, there are anything, anyways, from people having rotator cuff surgeries, or maybe they're getting cancer treatments, or all that. I am just. Um, what my job is is to help them through the administrative uh, challenges that can uh, face them whether it's paperwork or they don't know where to go I do not do hands-on now luckily uh, sometimes if some of them do return to work because I'm on site at at the main campus in Houston uh, when they come to the second floor to do their return to work exam and to be cleared by Shell Health I can actually walk over there and meet them but the majority of my job is telephonic okay and then you're also going to a master's program for right. what type of, like leadership within the nursing? Right. So nurses are natural born teachers, but uh, we don't have any formal training in that. So instead of seeking out my master's in nursing, I decided to do a master's in uh, education. So it's curriculum and instruction, but it's a focus on health science. So I will be able to uh, to, to, to be able to teach, but in the health sciences um, realm. Okay. And and <clears throat> when I shared with you um, and Honey uh, just a few weeks ago about what I was doing, you know, you not only introduced me to a, 
you know, the woman that we did a episode with, uh, Mary Monk, out of uh, out of Katy, Texas. But you also shared a little bit about your personal story with your mom, which is kind of what I want to focus our conversation on because um, you you're you have an interesting uh, predicament because your mom lives in another state. You know, we live right. here in Texas, but your mom lives in a different state. So, kind of share a little bit about what's going on with your mom. Yep. So to tell the story, if you'd like me to tell it, how I got to where I am now, do you want me to start there? Um, well, just share with us, you know, what's currently going on with your mom, um, so and my, what you're okay. doing, what you're doing, my, the, the, your solution. Okay. So my mother is, uh, had to be placed into a, uh, involuntarily, I might add, uh, into a secure environment with uh, 24-7 nursing care. Uh, for cognitive issues, she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's and um, was still living independently on her own. And it wasn't until I uh, started really paying attention and putting two and two together and doing some of my own investigations that I realized how serious it was with the problem with her so wait a second before before you go for a little bit further like had she been diagnosed all of a sudden or you kind of saw some precursors to behaviors yeah i didn't have a formal diagnosis i had uh, bizarre behaviors uh, that, 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 were, that needed to be addressed because they were unsafe. They were unsafe financially, they were unsafe physically, they were unsafe environmentally. And uh, when I noticed these, all these different things happening, um, I sought, uh, 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 I seek, I, uh, sought some additional help through um, a company in Florida called um, Aging Care Advocates. And this is a female-run business where they are all LSCWs, licensed social care workers. And they, um, it, it was a, it was a private uh, case manager that I paid to help me um, get my mom transitioned from being at home into the facility that she is because I was not going to be able to do it. She had become very paranoid and delusional of my intentions. And so I had to have a third party help me do this. And this third party um, got her to, for neuropsych testing. We got the diagnosis of Alzheimer's, and that's how I was able to um, coordinate the events that, part, that, that went along after that to get her in her environment. And, and the best thing about it, Chad, that now that she's there, she's on the medication that she needs to be, and she's, she's just the nicest person. <laughs> Well, well, what what was the 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 kind of last straw that of a story that happened with your mom before you realized, hey, I need I need some professional help. What what well, happened? If if you don't mind sharing, I, I realized how bad it was when I realized that I had access to public record for the city and county that she lives in, and I asked for a um, a police report. And the reason I asked for the police report is because when the police would go to her house, they'd, of course, call me. And, and they kept telling me what was going on, and I was like, oh, this isn't good. And so she was calling the police on a weekly basis or every other week, uh, and I ended up pulling 27 police reports in one um, in one year. And so the police would be called, they go over there, but I was not notified, of course, each time. But because she became so well-known, to the same police, 
they were like, you need to look into things. Something's going on. And so that's what, that's what started it. And then I put, I started looking uh, deeper into financial habits. I started having a higher frequency of people calling me saying something's wrong with your mother. Um, I had to be very careful, um, of, of what I said to her. I couldn't let her know that I knew what I knew, uh, because I know that the final goal was to get her into a safe place because I really had a fear that I was going to have my very own silver alert that she was going to bolt. Because the week before we got her in there, I had a conversation with her. She actually said to me, Chad, I feel like somebody's trying to put me away. And she said it just like that. <laughs> she said it just like that. I'm going like, oh boy. So now she's uh, and and just so that some some people are unaware of what you know Alzheimer's uh, communities are like, but just to share briefly, you know those uh, memory care type of uh, environments, they usually have like a pin code on the outside and inside, or some type of magnetic lock. That way, the the residents can't escape or get out. Um, right. And and there's usually not always, but usually there's somebody that's close to the main entrance and exit, just that's to be right. able to monitor. But right. um, at every exit point going outside of the, you know, the the facility, the facility right. you know, there's a there's a there's a code that has to be inputted so that people can't escape. Um, right. But usually, if like if there's in their own their own room, there's not a pin load code or anything for them no. to get in and out. No. But and, and I would love for if anybody wants to hear more or see more what they do. This place that my mother at is is absolutely wonderful. It is in Spring Hill, Florida, and the name of the uh, facility is called the Residence at Timber Pines, and she is in a section called Pearl Gardens. And it is all memory care. Each resident has their own little apartment with their own key. My mother has all of her, it's a studio. She has her own private bath, her, her own uh, furniture. And there's a, it's very, very, very nice. It is not a nursing home. It is a wonderful um, community uh, facility. It's, it's just, it's really wonderful. Well, very, very well, nice. and, and the last thing that I kind of want to mention about these, uh, you know, memory places is, is sometimes, and we actually did a podcast, uh, video on this. Um, you can check out the home stretch YouTube channel, um, sure. by doing a search, but we did a little segment on bathroom safety. Um, but the point that I want to bring out here, um, is that some of these places, they will have like a key that closes and, and uh, locks cabinets and even bathroom um, uh, supplies because oftentimes an Alzheimer's or memory patient sees something colorful or sees something that might look like a liquid and they inadvertently accidentally poison themselves. So some places have like locked cabinets that the nurses have access to to prevent you know, some type of an emergency from happening. But I, I encourage you to check out, you know, the, the Homestretch podcast YouTube channel um, to find out, you know, a little video segment that we did on bathroom safety. But um, I, I want to go back into, you know, what's happening with your mom, because although this is a beautiful facility, you live, you know, several hours 
on a on not just a plane ride, but you know, almost a what fifteen hour drive from your mom if you were to well, drive. I would never drive it, but it's eleven hundred miles. Um, yeah. So so what are you doing? Even though she's in this wonderful community, you're planning to 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 do something. So share with what what the what your what your next so, steps are. I would like to get her out here to Texas uh, because I because she's a very high functioning Alzheimer's. Uh, a patient, you would you would never if you didn't know her, you could spend ten minutes talking with her at the table, and you wouldn't know that there was anything wrong with her. She'd just have the same conversation with you every ten minutes. But anyways, um, and and the saddest part to me when she had to go into that facility is there was not only did she lose her license and her car and her own independence, she also lost something that she loved, which was crocheting and knitting, and. Um, the reason for that is because not because she's dangerous with the knitting needle, she's not. It's just the other people that she might be around. So they will not let me give her any knitting supplies, and that's really sad to me. The other thing that my mother loves to do is dance. And um, when the last time that she came out here to visit me, and wait a second, was, your mom? You, did you get your dancing habit from your mom? Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, my mom. I put her in the facility and she was out there dancing with she does the jitterbug, she does all that stuff. But anyways, I know that if I had her close here in Houston, that I could go and I could pick her up, bring her dancing, bring her out to dinner, and then bring her back to uh, wherever she was and she would have a fuller life. Not that where she's staying is nice. I just know that it could be better here. And I'm, you know, I was telling you, I was in the process of trying to obtain additional funds from the Patriot Angels because as a veteran spouse, she is, um, she's uh, eligible for that stuff. But it's a long process and you have to basically hire an attorney to help me. Well, and, and that's... Once I get that done, my plans are to uh, bring her out here to Houston. Well, and, that, and that's one of the other segments that I hope to do is to, to get in contact with this organization to share, you know, what is available out there from a financial standpoint. Because, you know, my my mom and uncle were paying at one point over $12,000 a month to keep my grandmother in a community um, where she did have uh, 24-hour supervision. So... You know, you're you're not just getting a more, I would imagine, cost-effective solution, but also you have a resource from the government or you know right. whoever this organization that they'll educate us. But um, so so tell us a, a little bit about you know how is it that you're going to um, make this transition for your mom to go from Florida to to Texas? Well. When it comes down to it, when I, when I do do it, it, it may not happen until after May. I need to. I, I, I can't pull that off while I'm in school. I just can't. And I graduate in May. And I know that sounds like a long time, but it's not. It goes by really fast. And she's in a really good place right now. But I will fly to Florida, and my sister in North Carolina uh, will fly there. We'll, we'll make it a prearranged thing that we're going to just go on a trip. If we won't tell her we're moving her because we can't. You, can't do that with an Alzheimer's patient because they live in the moment you know as long as you're living in the moment um, it'll be fine and then she will uh, transition out to um, another place like she's at here or or someplace like Mary Mary's uh, Larry's Lake House that uh, Mary runs and um, and I and and I, I think that everything will be fine. I actually think everything will be fine. I can't. I would love to, 
you know, purchase a large house with a mother-in-law suite and let her live in a in the back part of the with her own little thing. But that's not safe because she's not. Uh, she, she could wander off. She'd be lost. Uh, she could forget. She can't do her own cooking. She could start a fire. There's all kinds of things that are all kinds of reasons that are you know in place why she can't live with me um because i could do that i mean i could get a really big place you know and have like a little apartment off the side but it's not the case when you need secure care and home care is 10 to twelve thousand dollars a month so i can't afford that you know we're hanging hanging easy at like her care is roughly um the check i sent two days ago was fifty three hundred dollars one month. And and she has a house that you, you have, have you sold that house out in Florida? I just for sold her? it. Okay. I had to. I, I had to sell her uh, her car last November, and because um, it was just sitting in the garage, and I was still paying the mortgage out of out of her out of her savings, but I had to I had to sell her uh, her house to beef back up her savings because of her care. And and Chad, I did want to answer uh, uh, um, add one thing. Oh, Alzheimer's, of course, it doesn't get better; it just gets worse. So she's very high functioning, which is which she's on the first floor right now at the facility. Once they become farther and farther incommunicative or incontinent or whatever, you start going up a level of care and a, high, a floor higher because they keep all the residents about at the same capacity as the others most of the time in these places. So my mother's a very high functioning Alzheimer's. She's not in a unit where. Everybody's in a wheelchair, but her—it's not like that, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah because uh, you know, one of the things that I would think, either admittedly or they'll people discover by visiting some places, is that you know it can kind of be depressing to be around this people that are low functioning. If you're, if you're, you know loved one is a high functioning it's like i wouldn't want to be in this environment why did my mom or my you know and then as it as their their abilities deteriorate you know it it does kind of become a little bit more of a like acceptance not that not that that, you know you accept the fact that your mom is dying for instance but the fact that you know she's She's not being surrounded by a bunch of people that's going to bring bring no, her down. Actually, yeah, and Friday night, when I always call her uh, uh, right before, I, there's a stretch on West Park Toll Road that is it's really, I talk to her when I'm there, and I said, what's she doing? She goes, well, I just got finished handing out. They give her jobs because she's a nurse. She's not a nurse anymore, but she was a nurse for 40 years. And um, if there's something wrong with the with the resident, then she notices it. She walks up to the nurses' station and she she brings the nurse over to the person and said, "This person needs help." That's what my mom says. Wow. Yeah. Well, and I, I think also the other thing that you told me on um, on Friday night before we got out on the dance floor <laughs> is. Is another reason why your mom can't live with you is because you have a pet, and there's a good chance that my pet is my baby. My pet is my doctor. I mean, that is my. She's you know she's my companion. I would just I don't know. I mean, I would be absolutely heartbroken if my mom forgot to uh, shut a door. And you know what, Chad? This happened up in North Carolina a year and a half ago. My sister lives up in the in the country in North Carolina, and my mom 
uh, went there for um, it was I think it was the last flight there to um, for Christmas, and uh, my mom left the. Uh, there's two things she did. She set off the alarm and didn't realize it, and she did leave a dog a, a door open, and one of my sister's dogs did get out. Um, but you know, it, it wasn't where it was a dangerous thing, but you know. It could happen. So there's all kinds of things that you have to think about as far as their, not only their personal safety, but your personal safety. Right. Right. Well, you know, I, I'm, I hope that, you know, the remaining time that your mom has at this facility, she enjoys. And then, you know, I like the fact that to hear that, you know, you're going to kind of, hey, mom, we're going to go on a little trip. And, yeah. you know, that's that's kind of the reality. And I, actually, I want to talk about this a little bit because this is one of the things that my gra- my mom struggled with, uh, with my grandmother, who that, I don't think she ha- was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, but she had dementia and she was diagnosed uh-huh. with that, is, you know, oftentimes your loved one that does have that disease or is suffering mentally, they can't distinguish what's real and what's delusional and I'm curious how is it that you even not just because of your professional background but also you know interacting with your mom at this stage like how is it that you navigate these conversations with her that are crazy for her to say but you are able to put her at ease because a lot of times like my mom you know, she would argue with my with my grandmother because she wasn't able to step into her reality. And I remember I remember one specific story. You know, my grandma thought that there was someone in the closet that was stealing her jewelry and her money. And um, I, I I was like, is what is what does that person look like? So I I I stepped into my grandmother's reality. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go into the closet and I'm going to look for him. And so I go into the closet and obviously I don't see anybody in the closet. But I, I tell her, you know, Graham, I think, he, I think he's gone, but he probably went outside. Do you think we should call the cops? And she goes, oh, yeah, let's call the cops. So I call yes, the cops. I call the cops. I don't call the cops. I pretend like I'm calling the cops. And I have this conversation in the presence of my grandmother and say, Graham, uh, the cops found him. They found this person. He they he was about to go into somebody else's house, and so I was able to you know step into her reality and try to put her at ease. Like we, let's do something about this because she was panicking. I'm like, all right, then I have to you know play along with this story in her head to put her at ease, and just pretend like hey, Graham, we we caught him. You know, thanks for letting me know. You know, we saved we saved the day, so to speak. So I'm curious, you know, how is it that you navigate, uh, you know, some of these conversations or crazy things? If you have a story to tell with your mom, so, yeah. So I, I I think that everything would be individualized. There was there was no way I could step into my mother's realm because I was getting it after it happened. We're not going to stop her from because of her behaviors and her independence from doing what she was going to do. Twenty seven. Um, uh, 27 uh, police reports of uh, being uh, accused of robbing and stealing, including she was abusing me, of course. I'm like, I couldn't steal your jewelry, mother. I'm in Houston. Um, you know, she she uh, uh, she was she was she was un, 
um, she was she wasn't taking medication she was supposed to be taking so she was unmedicated um, she was paranoid she was delusional she was belligerent and they get like that because they know something's wrong and she was uh, she didn't trust anybody um, and uh, what else can I add to that um, all I did was I tried to get through the conversation at the time and every time we had a bizarre conversation like that I document it um, because I wanted to make sure that I had it in case that if I was going to go to court and to, to have her uh, committed and I didn't actually have to go that far that I was going to have all the ammunition I had because the state had already become involved she called the police so much they had the department of children and or department, I don't know what it's called down in Florida, DF something or other, with with the, with the social worker, they were doing like well visits, you know, because of she had called the police so many times, um, and it, 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 it didn't matter whether or not I would have gone into the, the little um, scenarios with her, uh, it wouldn't have mattered, um, so I didn't, I just chose not to do that. Mm-hmm. So with my mom, it would have made it worse. With your grandma, maybe it made it better. But I think that's all depends on the person. Well, and and I'm I'm hoping here, and I'm in touch with the Alzheimer's Association uh, here in Houston, um, talking with their media and communication person, so that we can have a conversation about the early signs and detections of dementia and Alzheimer's, because a lot of times, you know, people. Um, you know, are in denial that they actually have Absolutely. this illness, and it's not just them themselves, but also the loved ones that care for them. They're like, oh, mom's gonna be fine. You know, she, she's. This is yeah. just what she does. But there are really some, some, uh, some key steps that can be taken uh, to, uh, to to yeah, try to get yeah. this thing diagnosed, so that either a medical intervention can happen, or you can actually, you know, take those steps earlier rather than later. So uh, I'm excited to be able to feature um, a speaker from the Alzheimer's Association on an upcoming podcast. But um, you know, is there anything else that you want to share uh, or advice that you would have for some of the listeners? Um, you know, that are that are maybe tuning in because it's not just here in Texas that people are listening. Uh, I'm discovering that there's actually some people in the UK and there's some people in Canada. And there's people all over the United States at this point. So what what advice or recommendation would you have for somebody that maybe has a as a parent that they don't know um, what to do? do? The most important thing is is I thank my lucky stars. I had power of attorney um, in place because once they're diagnosed with something, you're not going to be able to get that it'd be very hard to get and so I knew that I would just have to make sure that everything I had to I had to just be organized so what I did is I started believe it or not it sounds crazy but I started a spreadsheet so I could organize my thoughts and put the whole story together about all of her behaviors and if I can say anything to anybody to a parent to a, excuse me to an adult child who has an aging parent with dementia or Alzheimer's you've got to get you have to look closely and, and, and look at their habits. My mother was um, going to the bank every day getting $100 out. I don't know what she was doing it, but you don't need $100 a day. My mother was weekly having tree companies come over and having trees removed. Don't know why, just think that she forgot.
gosh, she did it. She was calling the gutter man to come clean her gutters every two weeks. He finally called me and said, it would really be a ripoff to your mom, but your gutters don't need cleaning. She had locks changed on her house seven times in 11 months because she forgot that she had changed it and she kept on thought she was being robbed. Um, she um, had, was being scammed by three different um, extended warranty car uh, extension, you know, those warranties you can get for your car. She had a beautiful car, didn't need the extended warranties. Three different scammers had automatic withdrawals coming out of her account. Um, you know, when you buy a, uh, when you get a subscription to Good Housekeeping or Reader's Digest, they'll always send you a little renewal notice. They'll do it like once every other month. Well, she thought those were bills. So she kept on writing checks. So she's got maybe 40 different books coming to her house. And I have to call, I, they come to me now, actually, until the subscriptions renew. And um, I donate them. But what's funny is every time she got something in the mail, whether she owed it or not, she wrote a check. So it's, it's just you have to watch the finances. You've got to watch their behaviors if they're watching work, if they're living independently. And um, you, you certainly, um, in certain cases, I don't know, I had to take my mom off the road. Um, so she didn't kill herself or take someone else. So I contacted the state of uh, Florida and actually had her driver's license revoked. Mm-hmm. Now that didn't happen. Now she, she, she didn't know it was revoked, but we, we had her in a facility a week later, so it was irrelevant. And then the car was just parked in the garage. Yeah, I'm glad so you. I'm glad you mentioned that point out because just because you revoke a license doesn't prevent them from driving. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, oh, you. Because then you're, like you said, it's not just a safety for your mom, it's a safety for other people that she could possibly. So um, anyways, Brenda, I really appreciate you making, you know, time for this 30 minute or so of recording to kind of share, you know, a little bit about the story, because I'm sure some of the listeners can connect with what's going on. And, you know, that's what this, this, uh, this podcast is intended for is to try to not just connect with people on what they might be experiencing, uh, but also to provide them with some resources. So, you know, uh, uh, not in addition to this um, Alzheimer's Association and other guests, you know, I, I recognize the need to have an elderly attorney talk about some of the things with relation to, to, to law um, for a lot of different subjects, you know, from contracts that are at these facilities to uh, powers of attorney and wills versus trust and so you know I'm, I'm excited for you know not just what you share but everything that's to come so um, I thank you thank you for, well, for sharing for me. and um, you've been a tremendous resource and I'll connect with you and, and get this uh, contact information of this uh, company that can possibly help people that have a, a spouse that was in the military um, or they were in the military themselves to get additional funding and some help with being able to pay for the care that's needed. So, yes, I'm going to send that to you in the morning. I, 
that's on my work computer, um, and uh, I give you, I'll be able to connect you with some contact names. Okay, wonderful. Okay. Well, thank you so much uh, for tuning in to the Homestretch podcast. Um, uh, it, the, the remaining time that we have um, and that you have with your loved one is not definite. You never know when it's going to end. So may that time that you get to spend with your loved one be abundant and joyful. And until our next conversation, have a beautiful day.